right, we're in week two of our message series, Mountains and Valleys, uh, because we learn best about how God works in our lives through the experiences of other people. And really, that's a lot of what the Bible is about, right? The Bible tells a story of how people interacted with God, and we learn that through the stories of like Moses and Abraham and Elijah and David and Daniel and Ruth and Peter and James and Paul and, and literally so many others. So in the series, we want to hear from a couple of our staff members about the spiritual mountains that they've been on, as well as the spiritual valleys that they've been through. And not only will that help us get to know them better, but more than that, it will help us learn those types of life lessons that they have learned that will help us in our lives as we, you know, go through our own mountains and valleys. So that said, I want us to hear from Kelly Eisenberger, our missions pastor. So let's welcome her to the stage this morning. Welcome, Kelly. Thanks. Thanks for being here today. I'm so glad you're with us. Awesome. Thanks for inviting me. You betcha. Um, now, Kelly, you've only been on our staff since, you know, summertime. Um, but the truth is, God's been preparing you to be a missions pastor for a really long time um, before that. And what most people don't know is that you actually used to attend church here before you came on staff here. So why don't you tell us a bit about that and about how you became a missions pastor, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, yes, our family, were, we were attending church here before I came on staff. Um, but before I go into all of that, I'd like to introduce you to my family. This is Morgan, my youngest daughter. She's in fifth grade. And then my husband, Chris, and my oldest daughter, Chloe, who's in eighth grade. And actually, Chloe is friends with, with your daughter, Libby. That's right. And they got to know each other at Faith West when mm -hmm. our kids were really little. Mm -hmm. And we were just getting to know you guys when yep. my husband's company moved us to Norway. That's right. But we're back, and we're glad to be here. Mm -hmm. um, so God has been preparing me to be a missions pastor for some time, though I certainly didn't know it. In fact, my first mission trip was to Kashmir, India, and it was completely awful. <laughs> I actually got really sick on that trip. We were staying on a houseboat, and we would actually have to take a boat taxi back and forth to our room uh, every morning and, and every evening. And they were making breakfast for us, and I don't know if they weren't using filtered water or if I just got one of those bugs that you can get when you go to foreign places, but I got so sick. It was really bad. In fact, they started calling me the rookie on that trip. Nice. <laughs> but that trip changed my life. Uh, it was at that point that I began to understand that there really were people living in darkness. We were going to visit a shrine where women would go to pray for those who had died, and they would go completely covered with only eye slits to see out of. And their religion was primarily Muslim, but it was mixed with some other religious influences. And we were supposed to go and pray with them. And I remember just feeling so distracted um, and not being able to pray and just wondering, where is the presence of God in this dark place? And then God showed me that he was within me. And I was able to then quiet myself and pray. And it was at that point that I realized that without a Christ follower bringing the light of Christ into a dark place in the world, those people would remain shrouded in darkness forever. And that's when God placed a burden on my heart to be willing to go to the dark places of the world. 
So when we began coming to Parkway, I was concerned that there really didn't seem to be a formalized missions ministry. In fact, Mike, I called you out on it when you were at you and Amy were at our house for dinner one yes. night. Remember that? Oh yeah, I, I totally remember. And you were, and honestly, it was really subtle. I think it was something like, "Hey, Mike, why don't we have a missions ministry at the park?" <laughs> <laughs> I kind of subtlety's a gift. Yes, truly, truly so. is. But you said then that you guys were looking to hire a missions pastor. And so uh, my husband, Chris, who sometimes knows things before I do, he encouraged me to apply. But um, we were in the middle of an adoption process at that time. And I wanted to be available for this child. And so I didn't think that I could apply. But the day before I was going to meet with you Mm -hmm. to talk about missions, our adoption process fell through. And this is actually the second time that that had happened to our family. Um, And though it was heartbreaking, I recognized that though God was closing one door, he was opening another. And you encouraged me to apply, and I did, and the rest is history. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you did. And I'm telling you, I'm super excited about uh, the missions ministry here at the park. And we've got some incredible things coming up uh, that you'll find out about in the very, very near future. Um, But before we get off on any of that kind of stuff. I want to like shift directions. And I want you to tell us about one of your spiritual mountaintop experiences. So why don't you um, talk to us about that? Okay. So this doesn't start off very sounding very spiritual, but it really is. Okay. Um, I did an Ironman while I was in Norway. An Ironman. Like an Ironman. Now, for those of you that don't know, an Ironman is a triathlon. It is a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112-mile bike ride, followed by a full 26.2-mile marathon, like all in a row. And you did that. I did. But, Mike, don't sell yourself short. You've done triathlons, too. Okay. um, First, thanks for calling me short. (laughs) (laughs) And, yes, I've done some triathlons. But, look, I mean, like, I did just those little sprint triathlons. So, like, I was racing against, like, fourth and fifth grade kids. I mean, so, like, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nothing to brag about, lady stretch. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, my husband and I had actually been doing triathlons for some time, and he did an Ironman, and I was really proud of him. Um, and when we moved to Norway, I had this season of no commitments and no obligations, so I decided to sign up for an Ironman. Why not, right? I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person. I have a hard time with balance. So <laughs> I plunged into Ironman training, and as you can imagine, that wasn't always easy in Norway. Um, I can remember still the indoor pools would get pretty crowded, and so I would go to the outdoor pool, and snow would just be piled up on either side of the pool. Um, and the pools were heated, but as you can imagine, that run to and from the dressing room was pretty cold. <laughs> so, but lessons that I learned from training for Ironman have stayed with me forever. Lessons like life is hard, but God can sustain us through that. In fact, I remember riding my bike with hail just literally pelting me sideways. Um, But God got me through that, and I finished that bike ride. Um, Also, lessons like um, God is faithful, but I have to put in my effort. So I still had to put in hours and hours of training, and God sustained me through that training season. But probably one of the biggest lessons of all was that God will never fail on me. Uh, People have failed me all my life, but God will never fail me. 
Um, in fact, I remember riding my bike through some of the most beautiful landscape that you will ever see. And the song, One Thing Remains by Jesus Culture, would just play over and over in my head. I still remember the words, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me, just fueling me uh, more and more miles each week. And uh, God had just reminded me that he had never forgotten or forsaken me. And like Joshua in the Old Testament, when we step out in faith, he is faithful to go before us and sustain us. It's like in missions, when God calls us to go somewhere and we go where he's calling us to go, or we do what God is calling us to do, he will be faithful to sustain us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I love all that. And that's, that's so incredible. And, um, and I love how God took something unspiritual, you know, like training for an Ironman, and turned it into something incredibly spiritual, which, by the way, is a principle that I want you to write down. So go ahead and pull out your message notes. I want you to write this down. And listen, you just take notes on Kelly's talk as much or as little as you want, but this is the, definitely a feeling that I want you to get this morning, and that is this. God doesn't just meet me at church, but in the everyday parts of life. Like, God doesn't just meet me at church, but in the everyday parts of life. And that's so incredibly true. During those long bike rides and those runs, those are some of my most meaningful times hearing from God because it was just me and him. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, listening for, for God and hearing from God doesn't just happen when we're at church or when we're reading our Bible or we're praying. I do hear from God during those times, but I have learned that I can hear from him doing a lot of other things as well. Yeah, like training for an Ironman. Like training for an Ironman. Um, And see, since I'm not currently training for an Ironman, I still want to hear from God. So I start every day, every morning with a cup of coffee and God's word in some form or another. Um, Right now, I'm using a book that's based on the Book of Common Prayer that has been used for centuries. Um, But other times I've used Bible studies from Beth Moore or Kay Arthur or whomever. I've written in my journal or I've made lists of things that I'm thankful to God for. Um, if If I have time, I like to get really nerdy and use my Bible software to study a passage. Um... But just lots of different things. Um, And I used to have seasons where maybe, you know, we call them dry seasons where you're doing those things, but maybe you're not feeling close to God. And I don't really feel like I have those as frequently anymore. And I think it's because we have a rule in our home. You have to try something new. Because trying something new keeps us relying on God in new ways. Chances are, if you become proficient at something, you might get bored and it might be time to try something new. Um, You might become more like a stagnant pond instead of a rushing river. So when I go through times like that, I ask myself, is it time to try something new? And doing that helps make following Jesus feel a lot more like an adventure. Mm, I love that. You know, and I've experienced the same kind of thing in my life where, um, you know, when I find myself in a spiritual rut, I I, I just change something. Like, I'll just do something different in my time alone with God and that really just kind of kickstarts it and kind of, you know, propels me on my way. Um, so let's change direction for a second. I want you to walk us through one of your spiritual valleys that you've been through in your life. Sure. Okay. So not long after that kind of following up that Ironman season, our family was traveling and we were doing church ministry and 
life was just good. We were just enjoying life. And we went to Uganda to visit an orphanage there, and we met a little boy named Marvin, and our whole family fell in love with him. Um, and after we, we came home, we found out that he needed a home. And so we started the process to adopt him. But unfortunately, the process fell through, and we weren't able to adopt him. And that was very heartbreaking for me, and I really had trouble knowing how to grieve for something that I had never had to begin with. Yeah, but this is, but this is partially why adoption mystery is so near and dear to your heart, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, in fact, I'm so excited. We're launching uh, an orphan care ministry here at the park. We're starting on January 29th with a lunch, and it's going to include fostering and adoption and support for those things. I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. Okay, all right, so um, you had a failed adoption, so continue with your Valley story. So, I thought then things just sort of began to spiral out of control. Um, companies began to move people out of Norway en masse, and I just began to feel very lonely and isolated. Um, our pastor started traveling a lot, and we weren't really getting the spiritual guidance that we felt like we needed. It was like we were living in a spiritual void. And then my daughters and I, we came home one summer to visit family, and we stayed with them, and we borrowed their car. Um, but they were having issues that we didn't even know about. And it all came to a head one day when they asked us to leave. Wait, they, your family kicked you out of the house? Basically, yeah. And so we had to throw everything in bags and suitcases, and we were borrowing their car, so we didn't even have a way to go anywhere. Uh, but thankfully, I, I called a friend, and she came and got us. And, um, and then when we got back to Norway, we found out that the company was transferring us, but we didn't know when, and we didn't know where. And all of these things just sort of combined to make me feel completely out of control over my life. The relationships in our family were strained. Uh, Chris and I got to a point that we had never even been to before. Um, everybody was just so tense. Uh, but the company transferred us back here, and we arrived on October 31st, um, exhausted, battered, and bruised. And I remember just sitting in the temporary apartment and thinking, um, that we had started a new stage. And I literally got on my knees every morning and prayed over every member of our family. And I told Satan that he had absolutely no dominion over us anymore. Mm -hmm. And I felt that presence leave our family. And then we entered the season of healing and restoration. And I'm so thankful because Parkway actually played a role in that. Um, I would come to church and I would just cry. <laughs> Um, but God has healed us, and it was at the end of that season that I was hired to be the missions pastor here. Wow, I, I love that story, and it reminds me of a truly great verse in the Bible, and it, honestly, it's, I think, one of the most misused verses in the Bible, and it's right there in your message, so look at it with me. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, it says this, says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Mm -hmm. Now look, that verse 13 has nothing to do with scoring touchdowns, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with that, okay? It has everything to do with learning how to be content in every situation in life, like whether good or bad, because it's a relationship with Christ that helps get us through whatever it is that we're going through. 
And, and it, honestly, it sounds like that's exactly what this last year has been for you and your family. That's exactly what it has been like. And though it was really hard, I wouldn't trade it because I have learned how to be content in Christ and how he strengthens me. Okay. All right, well, let's wrap it up today. Um, by I want you to tell us a story about how Chris's parents changed your life. Yeah, I love to share this story. Um, so Chris's family uh, saved my life. I was saved, I was, became a Christ follower as a young girl in vacation Bible school. And, but I didn't get a lot of spiritual guidance after that. Our family didn't attend church very regularly. And I was a junior in high school and uh, working at the Outback Steakhouse down off 290. And Chris was a student at Texas A&M. And uh, I can still remember going uh, up to see him. I get off work on Friday night and I would drive up to see him for the weekend. In fact, I can remember trying to stay awake driving up Highway 6 late at night. <laughs> now I'm a mom of two girls and that is so completely crazy. I would never, <laughs> ever let them date a college boy, much less drive up to see him on the weekend. But, but. But that's I, what you did. Yes. Um, I was at this point in my life where I could have gone one way or another. And I remember going over to Chris's house one evening, and his parents were so happy to see me. And they would give me hugs. And I remember thinking I had never met people like them before. Um, and they'd been like my mom and dad ever since. Um, his mom would write me cards while I was in college to encourage me. And she would tell me how proud she was of me. And those words meant so much to a kid like me. Their marriage was the first example of a healthy marriage that I had seen. And I really feel like I learned how to love from them. Um, when I was going through that dark season in my life, his mom was one of the only people I felt like I could be honest with, and she's always been a great listener. And the older I get, the more thankful I am that I have them in my life and in my children's lives. That's awesome. Uh, and that, that is such a powerful story. Um, because, you know, sometimes we just, don't, we just don't realize the kind of impact that just, just being a loving person can have on someone. You know, because, because you never know what someone's going through in their life. And so, you know, here's this young girl, Kelly. You know, she could have gone either way in her life. But it was the loving kindness of a Christ-following mom that tipped the scales in God's direction in Kelly's life. I'm telling you, you never know what someone's going through. You never know. And that's why I lead a small group here at Parkway, because you really never know what people are going through until you take the time to get to know them. Yeah. You know, um, I I'll bet you Chris's mom had no idea that, you know, while she was, you know, just meeting and ministering to you, that, that God wanted to take that little girl and turn her into a missions pastor someday. I mean, I, I mean that, that's incredible. Uh, but remember, that is the love that Chris's mom showed Kelly, that's what won Kelly over. Because see, that's how people come to Christ, okay? People aren't debated into following Christ, okay? People aren't argued into following Christ. People aren't judged into following Christ. People are one. They are won over to following Christ by our love for them. That's how it happens. In fact, let's look at this verse as we um, close, start to close today. In John 13, 34 and 35, the Bible says this. It says, 
And, and this Jesus talking, he says, and so I'm giving a new commandment to you now. Underline this part. Love each other just as much as I love you. Love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Would you make a commitment to be loving like that? Would you make a commitment to be a loving person just like that? Now, for those of you that are not Christ followers, and, and maybe you're not a Christ follower because someone in your past was so unloving to you that it, that it drove you away from God. Listen, if that's you, let me just say this. On behalf of all Christians, let me just tell you that I'm sorry. I'm sorry because sometimes we do things and we say things that are unloving and that we should not do. I mean, I know I have in my past. And so if, if, that, if that is in your past and you've had someone do that to you, let me just apologize on their behalf. They did not understand fully what they were doing. But here's what I can tell you that Jesus loves you, that he's always loved you, and he loves you right where you are, no matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what is in your past. He loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you while you're here on this earth, and he wants you to go to heaven when you die. But in order for that to happen, you have to ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and make a commitment to following him as best you can from this day forward. Have you ever done that? If you've, if you've never done that, there's a prayer in your worship guide, it's actually at the bottom of your message notes. Take a moment and pray that prayer this morning. In fact, I'm going to pray for us in just a minute. And after I finish praying, I want you to take a minute and I want you to pray that prayer. Okay? Um, Kelly, thank you. Thanks so much for coming and just, you know, being vulnerable and sharing with us your mountains as well as your valleys this morning. Really appreciate you and all God has done in your life. Thanks for letting me share. All right. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. See, here's the thing. We can learn just as much from somebody's um, mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. And those experiences that other people have been through can help us because God will walk us across the mountaintops. But God will also walk with us whenever we go through valleys. We just have to continue to remain faithful to him through it all. So I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you for Kelly and her family and all that you've done in them and through them. And um, thank you for walking with them while they're going through their valley experiences in Norway and uh, all that you have in store to do through them. God, I ask that you would let all of it come to pass. And Father, for all of us here today, I ask that you would help us learn from our own mountain and valley experiences. And that you would use those experiences to draw us closer to yourself, to deepen our faith, to help us grow closer to you. And God, even during those times when it seems like you're far away, that you would help us um, get out of that rut and you would draw close to us as we draw close to you. And bring us back next week so that we can learn more. We ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.